As we are about to reflect on the Word of God and specifically the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, let's be asking the Holy Spirit to uh, prepare our hearts to receive from God's written Word. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Dear friends, I want to say it is a delight to be at St. Aidan's Community Church this afternoon, and uh, I love the season of Advent. I think I always have, and actually the uh, passage which I've, I'm fortunate to have been assigned to preach on from Luke 2 is one which has been long, as long as I can remember, it's one of my favorite passages. Uh, and so... Uh, that's a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, because I love it so much, you may be here for hours. Uh, but, but you'll know that I'm uh, pretty excited about what we're thinking of. Now, what you have been doing and we're in the midst of, and this is the third in a series of four because there's four Sundays in Advent, we're thinking of songs which have been come in response to the news and to the fact of the birth of this very Son of God. Song of Mary, Song of Zechariah. Next week, I understand you're going to be doing the Song of Simeon. But today is a little different and quite different than the other three in that the other three are individuals who were not only speaking with joy about the birth of Jesus, but they were those among the whole human race who were recipients and beneficiaries of the fact of the birth of Jesus. But today's, we're thinking of a group of people, or actually not people, that's the point, angels. It's the host of heaven, thousands upon thousands of angels who are moved as they stand by in wonder and adoration that the precious Son of God should become flesh and dwell among us for our salvation. And though they themselves were never lost, never sinned, therefore never needed to be found. Nevertheless, they stand by in wonder and joy as they reflect on these things. The the song of the angels as quoted in Luke 2 verse 14 is this. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. See, when we think about this fact that uh, in the other songs uh, that they are beneficiaries, I think, for instance, not of those three songs, but for instance, in the Transfiguration as recorded in Luke 9, there's Moses and Elijah who are incredibly brought to be with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John are watching all of this in wonder. And it says in Luke 9, 30 and 31, it says... Uh, And behold, two men were talking with him, that's Jesus, the transfigured Lord who now is brighter than bright, uh, his clothes are whiter than white, it says, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. You see, they were not only speaking in wonder about what Jesus was about to do, 
but they were speaking of those who required him to do it or they were in big trouble like the rest of the human race. You see, even the greatest men and women, boys and girls, are desperate sinners who need a savior. And so it is, for instance, that Jesus could say, for instance, of John the Baptist, and as we think of the candle of joy, and we think of John the Baptist leaping for joy in his mother's womb as Mary walked through the threshold of Elizabeth's home, and because of being in the presence of his Lord. And it says this, of of Jesus later speaking of John the Baptist says, truly I say to you among those born of a woman, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. We wouldn't have been surprised if he'd stopped there, but he goes on and says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Oh my goodness. Gives and takes all in one short two sentences. Because what he's saying is John the Baptist is a great man. But great men need a savior. And only those who have received the savior get to be in heaven and to be counted as righteous. So even John the Baptist, as great as he was, he needed a savior. And with respect, dear friends, as much as you're a wonderful bunch of people, you need a savior. And not only you, your families and your neighbors and the whole human race. And so these angels are standing by in wonder. It says in 1 Peter 1, it says concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. This is 1 Peter 1. Verse 12 says, It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, listen to this, things into which angels long to look. See, we're... Though we're rotten sinners in desperate need of a savior, we're in the enviable position from the angel's viewpoint because we get to know in a personal way this savior and receive his righteousnesses. They longed. And so that's who we're thinking about these days in this service. Now, you can't read verse 14 in isolation And so we've read verses 8 to 14, but I'm going to, seeing as I'm a generous guy, I'm going to start in verse 1 of chapter 2 because, you know, uh, it is some of the most famous, famous portions. It speaks about the birth of Jesus. It says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration, which is code for tax, when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. My guess is, if I had read that in the King James, many of you could have quoted and followed with me, and maybe ESV, you know it as well, I don't know. But in fact, this is precious and famous words which are more than famous. They're packed, they're packed with theological significance for a needy human race. First of all, God delivers. Did you notice that? That God who had promised that a virgin would give birth, Isaiah 7, 14. God who had said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. And then he says, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish it. This is a serious promise of God that in fact the mighty God was going to be born as a human being. God delivers on his promises. And not only did he deliver in terms of of the fact that that there was this uh, birth of this child, but in fact that that, that Micah 5 2, which spoke about the coming of, of the birth of Jesus. And I'm just gonna, I can't find it on my iPad, so I better look to the actual Bible here. And uh, here it says, but you, O Bethlehem and Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. God delivers. And so in these verses of scripture from Luke 2, we discover that this is, I love this. This is pretty funny in my view. There's Caesar Augustus, so big, so famous, so powerful. They worshiped him as the son of God. He had control of the whole human world. In a simple statement, everybody's to go to their hometown and be registered and taxed. He just had to say the word and it mobilized the whole known world. He thought, I'm in control, but we know differently. That in fact, in some crazy, wonderful way, this was God using even Caesar as a pawn through which he moved everybody everywhere. Why? To get Mary and Joseph from Nazareth south down to Bethlehem because that's where the Son of God had to be born. God delivers. Secondly, those who received the message, as is recorded in Luke 2, 8 and on, were unexpected visit. They were shepherds. Yes, it's true that sheep and shepherding is profound in the scriptures. King David was a shepherd. He was the shepherd king. God said in Ezekiel 34, I'm going to fire the leaders of Israel because they're unfaithful shepherds. I myself will shepherd my sheep, he says. So there is a logic at one level. But make no mistake, there was nothing in the minds of those lowly shepherds that night that they were the kind of folk that if God was going to visit someone to give a holy message, it would be they who would receive it. They probably had no involvement in the temple and the religious life. They were so busy looking after sheep and providing sheep for the sacrificial system and so on. But they were nobody. They were nobody in everybody's minds, but apparently not so in God's mind. 
And so these nobodies received a visit from an angel. Now, verses 10 and 11 of Luke 2 are pretty incredible. And this is the reason I've always loved this passage. is because I love it when passages are so incredibly clear that even a guy like me can't miss it. And so it is that, in fact, it says this. He says, and the angel said to them, this is one angel to start with. Later, it's throngs of angels. But at this point, it's just one. And these, this group of shepherds gathering around, listening in total fear. It says, and the angel said, fear not. Now, they had reason to fear because they were being surrounded by the glory of the Lord as this angel arrived. The glory of the Lord was not something to be sneezed at or taken small left. You know, when you think of the glory of the Lord, you think of Mount Sinai. You think of this cloud. You think of all of the heavens coming and residing on a mountain and Moses daring to be called up. And of course, his face becomes radiant in the tent of meeting it later and so on. But this is what we're talking about. This is the glory of the Lord. And so in this one being, there's these lowly shepherds and they're thinking our days are done now. I knew we were going to get ours eventually and here it is, seems to be the day. And instead of God saying, you're done for and I've come to call you to reckoning, instead of that, he says this, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I guess that means me. I guess that means you. I guess that means those shepherds. And if there be any doubt, he goes on and says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is, this is incredibly personal and direct and powerful. The message of the birth of the mighty God taking human flesh there lying in a manger is for everybody everywhere that'll ever live good news. It's for you, friend. It's for your family member. It's for your neighbor. It's amazing. Incredibly good news. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. These are three titles. Savior, and don't make any mistake. Savior sounds like a sort of, maybe you think of it sort of a wimpy religious term for, yeah, I don't know, you know, sort of somehow sort of works out. This is a mighty champion storming the gates of hell for the likes of you and me because we need someone who's mighty and able and holy to be able to take on all that we needed him to do. Incidentally, if you want to, and I'm not going to do it now, but if you contrast this, these words, with Genesis 5 and 5 and 6, this is just, this is God deciding why there had to be a flood and why Noah had to build an ark. And it speaks in incredibly similarly universal terms about all their intentions only being evil all the time and God grieving in his heart. So in the midst of this human dilemma which has touched us all, make no mistake, none of us are exempt. In the midst of that, the angel brings news that this Jesus, 
The very Son of God has come to be Savior. He's the Messiah, the one you've been looking forward to. And by the way, he's God. He's the Lord. Wow. Now, the surprise, one of the surprises is that the sign. Usually when you think of a great victory, of a Savior coming and storming the gates of something and taking over, and then good news being declared, there's a new guy in town that's in charge, whatever. But in this case, the sign isn't Goliath's spear or Goliath's sword or something like that. It's, it's a baby in an animal trough lying. There's your plan. There's, there's your sign. It's pretty amazing. And when you think about it, when Isaiah 55 says God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways, this is, this is exhibit A of the fact that his thoughts are not our thoughts. When you think of the places of glory, you think of a baby in a manger and you think about someone hanging on a cross. Those are the places of glory. Towering over the wrecks of time. This is what we're talking about. And so verse 12 talks about a baby in a manger. Verse 7 talks about a baby in a manger. Verse 16 talks about a baby in a manger. So I think the baby was in a manger. That's my theory on that one. That, uh, and, and so I'm going to stick to that, and I recommend you do as well. Surprising sign. So this one angel is declaring this incredible news. And all of a sudden, heaven couldn't hold it any longer. That this understated at one level, though there's a whole lot of glory around this angel, all of a sudden it's like, I get, those are my sound effects. But in fact, there's this, suddenly heaven is opened and thousands upon thousands upon thousands, very good singing angels who are all there and they cannot contain themselves, though they themselves are not going to receive the benefits. But when they think about who this is, the very Son of God, and what it's going to do about these lowly, rotten, despicable Children of wrath, sinners, by nature, says in Ephesians 2, verse 3. They can't contain themselves. And so what do they say? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom is, he is pleased. This choir of angels is saying what's going on in Bethlehem right now, though almost nobody knows, and so few will be aware, and guys like Herod will do everything they can to eliminate even that one, as we know, killing every baby two and under, every boy baby two and under in Bethlehem, just to make sure he got him, which thankfully he didn't. But, this, but in the midst of this, this, the angels are saying, this is glory to God in the highest. In the same way that, for instance, in Revelation 5, uh, it says, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. It's, it's big stuff, big stuff. 
The kind of stuff that angels can't contain themselves when they think about it. They have to sing praises. They have to say how great this Jesus is. Not glory to Mary, not glory to Joseph, not glory to the shepherds, glory to the baby, glory to God in the highest. That's what we're talking about. And this God in the highest is the mighty God. Though he's a baby right there, he's the mighty God. You might think there could be one who is called God, who is well-meaning. But if he wasn't mighty, where would the world be and where would you personally be? You might think that one could be full of love, but if not mighty, where would the world and us personally be? He might be deep and wise counsel, but if not mighty, where would the world and you and I personally be? He could be righteous and completely just and pure and holy, but if not mighty, where would the world and you and I personally be? What if it greater was he who is in the world than he that is in us? But make no mistake, the angels are declaring glory to God in the highest. This is God Almighty. He is mighty. And thanks be to God, this is the Jesus who was born in the and laid in a manger. But there's implications for that baby. And so it goes on and says, peace on earth and peace among those with whom he is pleased to dwell in the gospel. So what we find out is this is a rescue mission, which is for people, it says in Ephesians 2, 3, are all of us by nature children of wrath. Listen to this. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved through faith and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. This is a picture of the peace which the angels are talking about. Raised with Christ, seated with him, uh, the objects of God for all eternity thinking, how can I send them more blessing, more blessing, more blessing? It's the Isaiah 35 that we had read in the Old Testament lesson picture. That's the peace we're talking about. Not just eking out an existence, but a sense of blessedness, because of Jesus. Well, all of this says you got to respond. See, Luke 2.14 doesn't end there. It goes on to Luke 2.15. Amazing how that works. <laughs> Luke 2.14 after 15. And it talks about the angels. And I remember having a part in, the, in one of the pageants, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And I practice and practice, do it again, do it again, do it again. Uh, and I did it again. And so I still have it. And they came with haste, it says. And I remember at one of my churches that I, uh, where they said and came with haste, but unfortunately one of the shepherds uh, towel fell off uh, and so the shepherds didn't come and the person said and they came with haste 
Still nothing. They came with haste. And finally the shepherds came straggling up. Well, there was a response. There was a response. They couldn't hear the message of angels in such glory to God in the highest and peace to those with whom he is pleased to dwell and have any question as to whether it was wise to leave these sheep for a moment and to go find out and see exactly what the Lord had said. And they found it exactly as they had been told. And then they gossiped. They told the message. Because how can you keep this to yourself? Dear friends, the angel of the, the message, the song of the angels, the song of the incarnation of the angels is truly glorious. Because even those angels who weren't going to enjoy the benefits of all this could not contain themselves with joy because of Jesus and joy because of what Jesus was going to do for the likes of you and me. I look down on your faces and I know most of you, maybe all of you, know exactly what I'm talking about. But I would be unfaithful if I didn't at least afford the opportunity, the possibility, that there might be someone who feels a sense of being on the sidelines of this. Today is the day of salvation, it says in 2 Corinthians 6. Now is the time. And so why not, Advent 3, December 15, 2019, invite the Lord Jesus into your life. And if you now already know, and you may be known for years and years and years, hallelujah. But let's pray for a growing sense of wonder and joy that the angels spoke about, which cause us not to only to love this Jesus more, but to gossip him more to those around us. Please stand and let's pray. Jesus said, Behold, I stand in the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to eat him and eat with him and he with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the message of the angels, for the joy, for the glory, and for the peace which is declared, all found in you and you alone, in Christ alone. And so we run by faith, we open the door, we invite you in, and knowing that you keep your promise, know that you are therefore in. And therefore, we're filled with even more wonder and joy. And so we pray that you'd fill us with joy and cause us to even speak to one another and worship you more and gossip the gospel, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.